You're listening to an audio sermon from Hope Bible Church in Oakville, Ontario. For more information, please visit our website at hopeoakville.ca. Are you a vessel of honorable use to the Lord? Are you a vessel that the Lord is filling and using? Are you a vessel that is willing and ready? Or are you a vessel that is preoccupied and sidelined? Are you a vessel that is clean and pure? Or are you a vessel that is unclean, dirty, and distracted? Are you a vessel set apart for Jesus Christ, your Lord? Or are you a vessel currently set apart for selfishness, self-indulgence, and sin? This is where Paul goes today with Timothy in our verses. Timothy, you must be a vessel for honorable use. You got one chance, one life. You got one calling in Jesus Christ. You must be a vessel for honorable use, Timothy. The light that is set apart for the Lord, the light that is sanctified in Christ, Timothy, growing more like Jesus Christ, Timothy. The light that is a true servant of the Master, not the world around you, to serve the Lord Jesus. Timothy, that is who you are to be, a life of honorable use, a vessel clean before the Lord. I want you to see all throughout 2 Timothy 2, notice Paul's pastoral heart for Timothy's heart. It's remarkable. Look at how much Paul is agonizing spiritually for the growth maturity and the submission for Timothy to be before Jesus. Like it's so clear through this letter. He's like such a pastor to young Timothy. Timothy, maximize your life. Like longing, pleading, repeating in that. And listen, that's exactly what the Holy Spirit is doing with you right now and me. Through this whole letter, longing and pleading for our hearts to be used before Christ. One life. Don't waste it. Maximize it. Vessels of honorable use in a world and land of confusion, the clarity of serving Jesus Christ. This is where Paul goes today with Timothy. And once again, right now, we have the Bible presenting two types of people in our passage today. Once again, church, the Bible is presenting two options in this life. So let's start here today. Point number one is this. There are two types of vessels, honorable and dishonorable. Two types of vessels. Verse 20. Now in a great house, there are not only vessels of gold and silver, but also of wood and clay. Some for honorable use and some for dishonorable. If you recall from verse 19, Paul has used the metaphor of God's firm foundation. You can look at that at verse 19. This is Paul speaking of God's church. God's firm foundation. 
in a similar but not exactly the same way, Paul now presents a great house in verse 20. What does that represent? There's much discussion here, but I believe the best way to interpret this great house is to see it as Christendom as a whole. So he goes from the external structure in verse 19, God's firm foundation, to now focus on the internal contents in verse 20. He's gone from looking at the house from the outside and appreciating the good bones of the foundation, and now he wants to go look at what's on the inside, again, of this house and God's church. And so within Christendom, we learn this. Within Christendom, there are vessels that are honorable, made of gold and silver, but there are also vessels that are dishonorable, made of wood and clay. Many of you are saying right now to yourself, can you explain further? Yes, let's try, okay? From God's vantage point, he sees Christendom, the church, God sees it perfectly. God knows precisely down to the very person, of course, all who are his. God knows exactly who's legit. He knows precisely who are illegitimate. He knows who belong. Not one person is missed. God sees the invisible church, meaning the precise church. From God's vantage point, that's how he sees it perfectly. From our vantage point, we see Christendom imperfectly, meaning we cannot fully tell who is legitimately born again and saved and God's children and those who are fake. There are several people possibly in this room or overflow or watching online today, who appear to be a part of God's church truly, but they're not. There's never been true salvation. They are not born again. There's not fruit coming from their lives. They say the right things, they play the part, but they're not legitimately saved in Christ. We can't see that perfectly. God can. From our vantage point, again, we see imperfectly. This is where verse 20 is going. Within the church, as we see it, there are vessels of honorable use and vessels of dishonorable use. Now remember, our context, when you're at, in a passage, context is king. Before, right, during, after. To interpret the Bible according to the context around it. We just left last week the context of false teachers, of Hymenaeus, and Philetus. They are the perfect example of people who are professors of Christ, but in reality were spiritual gangrene. They professed to know Christ, they said a bunch of the right things, but in the end they were false teachers actually destroying the faith of some. Leading to disease to spread throughout the church. So Timothy, in this context, there are vessels of gold and silver, precious and greatly honored, these are the children of God. Notice, precious in the sight of God, his children are. Loved forever. But then there are also vessels of wood and clay would be dishonorable. And why would they be dishonorable? Well, in our context here and in ancient times, often dishonorable vessels were often used for garbage and for excrement. Therefore, dishonorable use. So what do you... 
what does become very clear in verse 21, what we understand, Timothy, this is so clear to us, Timothy, you are to cleanse yourself. We are to cleanse ourselves from that which is dishonorable. Cleanse ourselves from false teachers in verse 18. And notice context again. Cleanse ourselves from sinful passions. Look at verse 22 coming next week. So flee youthful passions. If you're going to cleanse yourself from what is dishonorable, from false teaching which kills the church, and from sinful passions which kills ourselves and the church. And he is to make himself a vessel to be used for the honor of Christ, set apart, useful, and ready. What kind of vessel are you? Let's find out more. Point number two. Therefore, because of this truth, I must seek the cleansed life. Because of the reality of our passage today, and the severity and sobriety of it, I must seek the cleansed life. Notice the word therefore in verse 21. The word therefore, again, is the application to the fact that we are to purge the dishonorable and seek to be honorable. Verse 21, therefore, if anyone, if condition, if anyone cleanses himself from what is dishonorable, now here comes the result. Therefore, when you cleanse yourself from what is dishonorable, therefore, you will be set apart as holy, useful to the master of the house, Jesus Christ, and ready for every good work. This is the all-important application of seeking to cleanse ourselves from what is dishonorable and to seek to be useful to the Lord as honorable vessels. The key word in the first half of verse 21 is the word cleanses. This means to clean thoroughly, to completely purge in the Greek. This isn't your kids cleaning their room by throwing their clothes under the bed. Anyone else identify with that? All right? That's not what this cleaning is referring to. This is a deep cleaning church. If anyone cleanses himself, this is a scrubbing the floors. This is a washing the walls. This is even cleaning the baseboards. Who does that? This is not a light dusting the Bible's talking about here. This is a purging of evil. This is not a rinsing your plate after dinner with cold water. This is hot, steaming water, powerful detergent, scrubbing that plate with an SOS pad so it's sparkling clean. If anyone cleanses himself from what is dishonorable, you know, right now, I'm just praying so much that people watching at home right now, particularly, and everyone here, obviously. But God would have such a specific word for you right now that you would be unable to avoid, to rationalize, to be distracted from, that you would receive it exactly what it is, a word from God and the Holy Spirit. God, do it. God, do it, I pray. I want you to notice here as we go through our text, look at the heart of God for the cleansed life. Like, just notice that. Consider, consider as we read these verses the biblical theology behind the life cleansed before the Lord. I love to draw th threads through Scripture 
to see the biblical theology unfold. And I was dwelling on this this week, this idea, if anyone cleanses himself and how much the cleansed life is so important to the Lord. Okay, this week on the screen for you, we pray through as a church, 2 Chronicles 7 verse 14, look at the inherent desire and command to cleanse that God may bless. Look at, if my people call by my name, humble themselves, pray and seek my face, turn, cleanse themselves from their wicked ways, then I will hear from heaven, forgive their sin, and heal their land. The whole thing behind that is the idea of cleansing yourself from what is false and sinful, and then the blessing of God comes because now you're a vessel able to be used for honorable use from the Lord. Consider how this summarizes the plight of God's people all throughout the Old Testament. That God is continually commanding cleansing. Why? It was the stench of Israel's idolatry and forgetfulness where they forfeit God's blessing upon them and it happens over and over and over again. Another example is from King Hezekiah following the evil of King Ahaz. Look at this verse on the screen for you here. 2 Chronicles 29. And he said to them, hear me, Levites. This is Hezekiah's leadership as king. Now consecrate yourselves and consecrate the house of the Lord, the God your fathers, and carry out the filth. Carry out the filth from the holy place. And then he describes the sinfulness of the fathers, been unfaithful, have done what is evil in the sight of the Lord. They've forsaken, they turned away their faces, the habitation of the Lord, and they turned their backs, and their lives were filled with impurity. The heart of God for the cleansed life. Consider why Jesus cleansed the temple at the beginning and end of his ministry. Did you know that? Two times, Jesus cleanses the temple at the beginning and the end of his ministry, John 2 and Matthew 21. Why did he do that? He was disgusted at what they had made of his house of prayer. He literally went in and overthrew tables. He was filled with righteous, holy indignation at the filth and the impurity of his father's house, so he cleansed it. The passion and zeal of Jesus for the purity of the temple of the Lord. Therefore, if anyone cleanses himself from what is dishonorable. And to heighten all the more the seriousness of what we're talking about right, right now, Paul says in 2 Corinthians chapter 6, for the believer in Jesus Christ, Paul says this, who's this for today? What agreement has the temple of God, the believer, what agreement has the temple of God with idols? For we are the temple of the living God. And just to hammer home this awesome theology, he drives the powerful application, 2 Corinthians 7, verse 1. Take a look here. 2 Corinthians 7, verse 1. Since we have these promises that we are temples of the living God, that we have been bought by the blood of Jesus Christ, since we have the promises of the gospel living within us, set apart for the holy use of Jesus Christ, let us cleanse ourselves. Let us cleanse ourselves from every defilement, notice, of body and spirit. Let us cleanse ourselves, bringing holiness to completion 
Notice, in the fear, in the fear of God. In the fear of God. Therefore, if anyone cleanses himself from what is dishonorable, loved ones, think about the incredible reality if we are saved in Jesus Christ. We are now temples of the Holy Spirit. We are temples of the Holy Spirit. Let me ask you, what's entering your temple right now? Is it praise or pollution? There's some here right now, right now, listening to this, and you are so filled with conviction because you know this is exactly the Holy Spirit speaking to you at this moment right now. This is the word you needed to hear. You've been trying to avoid it, but the Lord loves you too much to let you keep straying. At home right now, you know it's exactly for you. What's in your temple right now? What's entering the temple door? Is it praise or pollution? And the Holy Spirit is subject to watching everything that comes in and out. We are temples of the Holy Spirit. Therefore, if anyone cleanses himself from what is dishonorable. It was Jesus who saved his most serious and grave rebuke for the Pharisees. The ultimate hypocrites. So put together on the outside the Pharisees were. But so vile and wicked on the inside where it actually matters. Here's what Jesus said to them in Matthew chapter 23. Woe to you scribes and Pharisees, hypocrites. For you clean the outside of the cup and the plate, but inside they are full of greed and self-indulgence. You blind Pharisee, first clean the inside of the cup and the plate. That the outside may also be clean. Look at the severity of the words of our Savior how much he cares and desires and commands. Therefore, if anyone cleanses himself from what is dishonorable, then they will be set apart as holy, useful to the master of the house, ready for every good work. Consider the seriousness of God's heart for the cleansed life. I really, really believe God wants to bring this word for his church right now today. I mean, all the examples we went through, it really comes down to the pursuit of holiness. Holiness in the church made up of holiness in our own lives. The church must be purged of false teaching. The church must be purged of doctrinal impurity. And we ourselves must be purged of evil. We must cleanse ourselves from that which is dishonorable. Again, I I think it's no small irony of all the cleansing seeking to happen in our society physically right now. It's everywhere. Sanitizing to the nth degree. Wiping. Everything and everywhere, everything that's physical, and yet so many people sanitizing themselves to death physically, and yet on the inside they remain corrupt and dirty and unclean, and there's no spiritual love or awareness of Christ. That's backwards. And Jesus cares so much. That's why this message is before us today. I ask us all right now, what is it that defiles us at this moment? 
Is it lives filled with sexual immorality right now? Is it lives filled with wicked lust? Last night? You gotta know how that defiles the temple. Like it's not a game we're playing before the Lord. Like you can't see every single thing we've ever done. There's nothing beyond his sight. There's some men or women here right now, watching right now at home, where you're just double-minded and somehow living this life and two different people, and somehow you think your temple can be filled with all this lust and evil, and somehow you'll be okay and everything will, will be fine. It's just it's such a lie. So many of you tried to play that, and all of, them, all of them have suffered as a result. What is it that defiles us in this moment? Is it lips that are lying We're dishonest. We're deceitful. We speak lies on an ongoing basis. You know how much the Bible says that God hates the lying lips? He hates it, he says. He hates deceit. He hates dishonesty. Has that entered into our temple? All forms of a lack of integrity or character and again deceit and lying. What is it that defiles us in this moment? Is it greed? Is it being consumed with a love of money and luxury and more possessions and more material things and bigger bank accounts? And oh, how the Bible warns us this pollutes the heart so much. And in our temples, the Holy Spirit keeps watching all this greed and self-indulgence and all this love of money enter in over and over again each day as he's quickly pushed to the corner and his voice becomes silent. What is it that defiles us in this moment? Are there relationships in our lives that are ruining our relationship with Christ? Are there relationships in our lives that are ruining our relationship with Jesus Christ? Oh, cleanse the temple today. Cleanse the temple today. Has bitterness... Has bitterness and unforgiveness brought defilement to your heart right now? You can join David today. You can join with David and say, oh God, create in me a clean heart. Oh God, create in me a clean heart. Oh God, cleanse me. Renew me. Create in me a clean heart. Oh God, again, I don't want to go any longer with this. Lord, I have to make sure, I have to make sure the garden for my Lord is pure. Here's what Dwight Edwards says about this. He says, one man has well said, it is not enough for the gardener to love the flowers. He must also hate the weeds. You know how I feel about that. This principle holds true not only in the lives of gardeners, amen, but also in the lives of Christians. And I would suggest on this quote right here too, it's pretty hard to love the flower when you don't hate the weeds. Because the weeds choke out the flowers. And the weeds kill the garden. So you got to hate the weeds and pull the weeds to experience the love of the flowers anyways. Therefore, if anyone cleanses himself from what is dishonorable, then he will be a vessel of honorable use. Remember, believers are the gold and silver precious to the Lord. They are designed for honorable use. 
Remember, if you're saved here right now, if you're watching right now, if you're saved in Jesus Christ, you are deemed as gold and silver, precious to the Lord. You have been designed by God for honorable use. Indeed, I must seek the cleansed life. Because when that happens, number two, then this happens, point number three. Then, then I will be set apart for Christ. Verse 21. Therefore, if anyone cleanses himself from what is dishonorable, he will be a vessel for honorable use, set apart as holy, useful to the master of the house, ready for every good work. So listen carefully, loved ones. I believe today is a big day. When the cleansing of the dishonorable happens, ready? This allows for the filling of the honorable. So look up here for a second, ready? When your vessel, let's say it's a jar at this point, is filled with impurity, when you dump out the impurity and you wash it, now it's ready to be filled with purity. But when the vessel is overrun with impurity and what is dishonorable, there's no room for the purity. And if you try to put purity in to the dishonorable and what is impure, it just messes it all up and it taints everything. You get rid of it. You empty your life of that which is dishonorable. You clean it out through repentance and contrition. And now you're ready to be filled with Christ. The life that is filled with the world has no room for Jesus. If we are entertaining ourselves to death in the worldliness around us, there's no appetite for Jesus. Duh! This is why Paul's so serious with Timothy and saying, Timothy, this is the, this is the standard and the path for your life. It's like the child before dinner who fills his face with sugar and fat and then comes to the dinner table and says, I'm not hungry. Well, of course you're not hungry, silly child. You filled your face with sugar and fat. That which was unhealthy, now you have no appetite for that which is healthy. The implications here, we have been designed by God as believers to be set apart, useful, and ready. Designed by God. Our calling is holiness. Our purpose is to serve Christ. Our readiness for whatever he asks of us. Let me ask you, would this, would this describe us? Would it describe us as set apart for holiness, useful to Christ, ready to work? Or, if in honesty for many it would be, we're set apart for our devices, we're useful to Netflix, and we're ready to sleep in. I'll just say it again. This text inherently telling us what we are designed for, what we are saved for. Let me show you a parallel verse here. Again, just sometimes it's just like the clarity of God's word is so awesome. Ephesians 2, 8 and 9 get a lot of airtime as they should. Like, this is awesome. This is the gospel. By grace you've been saved through faith. Not your own doing, not a result of works that no one may boast. I mean, just, just, just incredible. But look, look at the outcome of the gospel in verse 10. Here comes the application. You've been saved by grace through faith to sit there. No, 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 no. You've been saved by grace through faith, again, what is, 
For we are his workmanship. That's unbelievable. We are God's workmanship because we've been saved by the gospel, created in Christ Jesus, the workmanship of God, created in Christ Jesus for good works. We are saved for the fruitfulness of Jesus Christ. Notice this. It just keeps going. Which God prepared beforehand that we should walk in them. This entire verse is the clear outcome of the fact that we are saved. People who get saved and sit there, are they really saved? Because the outworking in the proof says, if you're truly saved, well then you are the workmanship of God, created in Christ beforehand that we might walk in the works that God prepared for us. See, one of the things we have to be willing to say in our day of understanding that we are saved entirely by grace, understanding the incredible reality of grace, but grace brings with it the proof of our grace by Christ through the fruit of our life. Are we truly saved? In this context, are we truly saved? Are we alive in Jesus Christ? Prove it. By the fruit that we bear because we've been designed by God for works in Jesus Christ. Let me get a little bit controversial right now, okay? I prefer not to receive emails, but we'll see. If I'm sitting at home for the last eight months and I have no activity for Christ, I want to be loving. I want to be pastoral. all, All I know, I'll say this way. No matter what situation we're in, God is calling us to pursue him and to serve him. No matter where we are, no matter how we are, no matter who we are. The thing that, again, this is my heart, the thing that I'm most concerned about is the people, again, who've gone dormant and the people who are drifting and the people that are wherever they are and just again I just if we are saved in the Lord Jesus Christ I'm telling you if we start praying the prayer God how can I serve you no matter where I am how I am and and what situation I find I just, I have to believe that this is God's will 100% he's going to answer that prayer he's going to allow us to engage and seek we need the community of God in some form in some way I I just don't think we can take a year off just don't think we can take a year off no matter what's happening. In fact, this could be a time to double, triple down on the reality that we're alive in the Lord Jesus Christ for fruitfulness for him and his kingdom. I just want to see that so much. And I just wonder in this time how many people's lives have become unclean in the midst of being lulled to sleep by the world and all the fear that is around us. I don't know. But I'm praying God will make it so clear. Maybe frame it this way. What would your best friend watching your life, what would your best friend who's watching your life say right now that your life is currently set apart for at this moment? That's a great way to look at it. What would your best friend who sees your life, who watches what's going, what would they say is your life set apart and dedicated for right now? What would the answer be? Because we've been purchased by the blood of Christ and to be set apart and used for Christ. Notice in verse 21 here, notice it's not the actual work that is described, but it's the attitude towards the work that is described. It's the attitude set apart as holy, useful to the master, ready, the readiness for whatever work 
God would have us do. So God, help us, help us today, and I pray today's a new day for so many, to drop our self-will and open our hands to the will of God. Notice in this text inherently, either we're useful or we're useless. It just has to be, right? There's only really two options there. If we're not useful to the Lord, then we must be useless. Said in Chronicles 16:9, the eyes of the Lord range to and fro throughout the whole earth to give strong support to those whose heart is blameless towards him. Right now, the eyes of the Lord, man, searching every home, searching every bit of overflow, searching every heart here right now, the eyes of the Lord ranging to and fro throughout the whole earth to give strong support to those whose heart is blameless towards him. The eyes of the Lord are moving through this place. He's surveying and seeking to give strong support to those whose lives and hearts are blameless towards him. The eyes of the Lord searching to every home right now. Every sofa people are sitting on right now. Every, every moment right now. Every, every child, every teenager. Every elderly. Every businesswoman, businessman, every person. I think of the power of the words that Jesus says that he will say at the end for so many who have sought to serve him, well done, good and faithful servant. Well done, good and faithful servant. Imagine those words ringing throughout eternity. Again, I can do nothing today, but I just, my heart has been burdened, and I pray that today could be a turning point. I pray today in some form, in some way, and God will decide. I pray God is calling out to you, his child. His blood-bought treasure. His blood-bought treasure. If you're saved in Jesus, you are the treasure of God. You are chosen and precious. You've been purchased by blood. Perfect blood. I'll say it again. You are his treasure. He loves you infinitely. But he saved you to use you. He saved you that we might be set apart for himself. Just think today, not set apart for worldliness, set apart for holiness. Not useful to Satan, but useful to the master, Jesus Christ of the house. Not ready for sinfulness and impurity, but ready for every good work of Jesus. Therefore, if anyone cleanses himself from what is dishonorable, he will be set apart as holy, useful to the master, ready for every good work. For those here today, those watching, those in the midst of this sermon, which I understand is heavy, but again, sometimes we, we just need this. Boy, do we need this. And for those here today that you are currently suffering with shame and guilt, it is an awesome time to allow the gospel of grace to wash over you entirely and completely once again. Every single person who generally runs to Jesus Christ, his grace is inexhaustible. His love is unconditional. His forgiveness is unmatchable. 
every single person, maybe you like me, and just understanding again that the Lord is revealing sin and the Lord is revealing habits or impurity. The Lord is revealing a desire to go more, to go deeper, to swim to greater depths in the holiness and the love of God. And you're sitting there and you're contemplating and you see your sin and what's happening, but the Lord understands again. In the gospel of his grace, you are forgiven. In the gospel of of grace, you are cleansed. In the gospel of his grace, again, you are set free. And the opportunity then to run him in the love that never runs dry will never run out for us. You've got to see that right now. And yet, it doesn't take away the importance and the command to cleanse ourselves before the Lord that we might be used. So only the Holy Spirit can do these things today, no matter where we are. But I pray hundreds and hundreds and hundreds of our church are gathering today and taking this so seriously. And maybe this is such a good time just to bow our heads and to be still where we are. Oh, Lord, lead us right now. Lead us in this moment. Please, Lord, please. Yes, Lord, don't leave me here by myself. Please, God. We need your help, Lord. We need your help. Here's our response today. If the Lord is speaking to your life, number one, repent. That's where the cleansing happens. Repent. Repent of any and all sin that comes to mind. Repent. Whoever cleanses himself from what is dishonorable, that's what happens. We repent and we cleanse ourselves, the gift of repentance and confession. If you confess your sins, God is faithful and just to forgive us our sins and cleanse us from all unrighteousness. There it is again. Repent of sin and resolve. Resolve right now. Resolve to obey. Lord Jesus, by your strength, by your will, by your spirit, I resolve to obey where I am. Lord, my heart is soft. I sense, Lord, a a beginning of brokenness. I resolve to obey. Repent, resolve, and this, receive. Receive now his grace. Receive his forgiveness. Receive his strength upon your life. Receive the cleansing power of Jesus Christ. Receive. And just with heads bowed today, if you are here today and you know that this message is for you and you want to be prayed for right now in a particular way, I'm going to ask that you would just stand where you are right now. And maybe even at home, you would stand. Who cares who's with you? Maybe no one's with you. Just stand where you are because you're just before the Lord saying, God, I want to be prayed for. I want today to be a different day. Maybe an overflow right now. Just stand where you are. If you're here today and this is for you, just stand where you are. And I'd love to pray for you. And the courage right now before the Lord, heads are bowed, just stand. I'd love to pray for you. Amen. Anyone else here today, no matter where you are listening, watching, you stand as an indication, God, I want you to do this in my life right now. Holy Spirit of God, I pray you are working across so many homes, across this place, Lord, across this building, across your church. I pray right now, Lord, just the the seriousness of the message, but yet the sweetness of the promise. Anyone who cleanses himself, that we be set apart, 
useful to the master of the house, ready for every good work. Oh, Lord, I pray. I pray you're speaking to your church so powerfully. You are moving. You're being so specific, God. You're being so kind and yet so clear. Yes, Lord, I pray. I pray for those, again, here right now, indicating where they are in life and what they need from you. I love it so much. I'm so thankful. Wherever they might be, again, in homes and overflow here right now, oh, Lord, bless them so much. Bless your church. Lead them. Lord, I pray they would know the love of Jesus Christ. I pray they would be so filled with the awareness of your presence, Lord. I pray there would be such a contrition, such a desire, such a love, such a brokenness, such a powerful response for the Lord Jesus Christ. Would you do that, Lord, at this time and in this place? Oh, Lord, how your church needs you. I believe in, I believe in Sundays like this, Lord, so needed from time to time. And I pray you will use it all weekend. So, Lord, thank you. We need you. And we pray this together in the name of Jesus, Lord, as we respond now in this song. Use it, I pray, to cement the truth that you've taught us today. We pray this in Jesus' name. Amen.